0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, Boston Bruins fans. I'm Kurt Schmied, and you're listening to Believe in Boston Bruins on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe in Boston Bruins you believe? On this week's episode, Tuca returns, and Willie O'Ree has his number 22 retired by the Bruins. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, and you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Well, Tuca Rask finally returned to the ice last week. Now, I gotta tell you, I was a little nervous about his first game. I didn't know what to expect his first time out. And which Tuca would we see? Would we see the the Vesna Tuca? Or the Tuca Rask we've seen the last couple of seasons where he wasn't really playing that good due to this, you know, nagging hip injury? Well, he played pretty well. He allowed two goals on 27 shots versus the Flyers. And that's not too bad for his first night out. Now, I expected him to start versus Nashville, but it ended up being Allmark, and, you know, that was... You know, maybe, maybe not starting him two games in a. I wouldn't. I'm not saying it's two games in a row because there was a couple. There was a couple days in between, but still, maybe, maybe, you know, Bruce Cassidy's idea is to take it slow with him. You know, maybe start him every other game. I don't know what the plan. I don't know what to expect as far as, you know, you know, is it going to be a rotation in the beginning? I really haven't got a clue. But he looked pretty good. Now, he started last night against a tough Carolina team, and he did give up five goals, but this isn't all on him. I know that there's a ton of you out there that are blaming him for the loss, but this isn't on him, all right? The five guys in front of him just didn't show up at all. Nobody showed up. Basically, I mean, you know, you have power play opportunities, and you, and you don't capitalize. So basically, it's not his fault. Now, Allmark came in, and the defense tightened up a little bit. But, you know, you got to realize that the, by that time, the game was already out of, out of reach at that point. There was no way they were coming back from a 5-1 five, five, deficit. No way. And, of course, Allmark did allow, you know, two more goals. So, but still, you know, it's only his second timeout, all right? It's only his second game. So, basically, you know, wait until... You know, until we get into like a month from now and we'll and we will we really need to see what's going to go on here. OK, because I know those of you who are whining about Tuca's performance last night need to need to calm down here. All right. You guys really need to calm down. All right. First of all, like I said, it's only his second start and Carolina is a good team. They got a lot of great goal scorers on that team. All right. So to put Tuca, you know, to blame Tuca on this whole on the on the five one loss is is stupid. I mean, you would have had the same outcome if it was Swayman, but would fans react the same? No, they wouldn't. They would put the blame on the team and not on on uh, on not on Swayman. Or even if it was Olmark, you know, you wouldn't blame him either. But yet, Tuka Rask is becoming a target. You know, people are saying, well, he, he let in a couple of soft goals. Yeah, maybe like one or two. But still, there was no—nobody—it seems like—it seems almost seems like the team gives up in front of him. So you really can't blame Tukarask. It's like most of the time, it's the team. It's the five guys in front of him. All right? Each shift. All right? It's not really him. You know, people are out there blaming him for 20, you know, for the Stanley Cup finals. No, the team just ran out of gas. That's it. They had a long play. They had long playoffs. And yet by game set, by that time they were out of gas. They were tired. They were, they had injury. They were playing with broken bones and all types of pulled groins and everything. All right. So you really can't put the blame on the goaltender all the time. All right. You can't. You really can't. Now with the signing of Rask, Jeremy Swayman got sent down to Providence, and I know a lot of you bees fans are upset that this happened, but this could be a good thing for him. I mean, he's going to get more starts, which are which is good. Going to give him more time, you know, more time to develop his game. That's what he needs. He needs to develop. You know, not rush into things. I mean, he played well last season when he when he was recalled. He played well. He played well this season, but he's going to get the mo. He's going to get a lot of starts now. He's not going to be sharing the net. He, you know, he's going to be sharing the net. You know, at you know during the for the rest of the season. But you have to realize that he's got to get a lot of. If you want him to be in Boston for the next twenty, you know, not not twenty years, but for the next five to ten years, he needs to develop his game. And that's a good place for him to develop. I mean, he's had four years of three or four years of college. That was great. And to be honest, you know, at some in another podcast, I will talk about how, you know, how I like goaltenders, goaltenders from college rather than, you know, goaltenders coming up from junior. But that's another, that's, that's another podcast. So I'd rather, ha- I'd rather have him down, down there and sit on the bench, you know, than as a backup. Okay, because we all know that he was eventually even even if Almar, even if the Bruins didn't sign Allmark and their plan was to have Swayman Swayman in Boston, you know, he was going to be sitting behind he's going to be number two guy behind Rask. He was going to be the number two guy around, behind Rask. simple as that. you know, but this is the best thing the best thing for Jeremy Swayman is to be down in Providence get some get some playing time. You know, Providence is is fourth in the Atlantic Division, and there's a good possibility he could see some playoff games. And that's playoff experience if the Baby Bees make the playoffs. And that's something he won't get in Boston. Because we all know that Tuco will get the start if the Bees make the playoffs. Okay, so it's a really good thing that Jeremy Swayman stayed down there for now. You know, he's he's going to get a lot of games. He's going to get a ton of games. He's going to be starting a ton of games now instead of splitting time with Allmark. Or sitting on the bench, you know, watching Tuka Rask. I mean, granted, sitting sitting on the bench watching Tuka play, you know, that, that would be a good learning experience for him. Now, Tuka signed a one-year contract, so Swayman could be back next season. I mean, we don't know if Rask is going to decide to retire. Or sign on with another team. I mean, he says he wants to finish his career in Boston, and maybe this is is basically his last year in Boston. We don't know. I mean, we really don't know what his plan, what Tuka's plans are after this after after this season. You know, is he going to keep re you know signing one year contracts with the Bruins? We don't. You know, there's it's hard to tell right now. Maybe he goes out and you know maybe goes out and has a really good season and the Bruins decide you know what we'll offer you a one or two year con another one or two year contract but the thing is Swayman you know there's no there he shouldn't be he shouldn't be upset about this move because he knew it was coming he knew he knew back he knew back um he knew back in September you know that once training camp started, he knew he was he was going to be the odd man out. So those of you who are out there saying, "Well, you know what? He's gonna he's gonna he's not going to be happy. He's going to be another guy that's going to be asked for a trade, just like DeBruskin Senishin did." No, the thing is, the kid's got to be patient. All right, you got to be patient and wait your turn. Isn't that what we were all told when we were kids? You got to be patient and wait your turn. Well, his turn isn't here yet. You know, yeah, he's had, he's had a, you know, he's been here and he's played well. It's just that it's not his time. And when it's his time, the Bruins will let him know. All right. Whether it's, you know, moving Allmark, which to me was a dumb signing by Sweeney anyways. Or Tuca just says, you know what, I'm done. After this season, I'm done because, one, I'm not getting any love from uh, any love from Bruins fans. And... You know, the fact is that, you know, maybe it's time. You know, he says he wants to remain a Bruin. He wants to retire as a Bruin. Well, he might well retire as a Bruin at the end of the season, at the end of the season, and we'll see. And a lot of you are going to get your wish, and, you know, Tuca's going to be out, and Swayman's going to be in, and then what's going to happen is it's going to be, this team is going to implode probably. I mean, the Bruins need to be patient with Swayman. He's the future of this team, and the thing is, I don't want to. Ru- I mean, I don't want to rush the kid. I don't want to rush him. All right, he's played well up here. He proves he can play in the NHL level, and and that's what the Bruins need to build around him. All right, they need to build around him. You know, McAvoy, Steen, Pasta, and other young kids coming into the organization. Okay. I mean, don't forget about Fabian Lysel and others coming in from, from the college ranks. You know, so you know, there's there's a lot of these guys who who are coming into the into the league from the college ranks that are having pretty good game, pretty good, um, pretty good college careers. You know, I'm just hoping that some of these prospects turn out better than Zach Senishin and Coleman did. I mean, Coleman was put on waivers and is heading west to Seattle. And I don't see it as a complete loss for the Boston Bruins. I mean, the kid has NHL potential, but he wasn't a really good fit f- here in Boston. It he wasn't, and and the thing is that you you think about guys coming into the you know everybody they've been high on on John Beecher who's playing in Michigan right now. I the last thing I heard, I haven't really heard much out of him. I haven't. I haven't heard anything out of John B., you know, what's going on with him. You know, I watch, you know, some of the some of the Boston College in Boston, you, you know, I watch a lot of these young prospects closely, and they're all, they, they're all, like, look like that they can be legit Boston Bruins. You know, Coleman, Coleman, Carson Coleman? Coleman. Um, you know, really didn't have it. I mean, he's, I mean, the only thing he had going for him was was the skating. He was a tremendous skater. The rest of his game was kind of quest- questionable. And they had to do something to make room for Oscar Steen. Now, Oscar Steen has been playing great since he got recalled. And I like him playing on that third line with Charlie Coyle. You know, who knows who's going to be on the other side. Because, you know, it was Nick Foligno for a little while... I believe last night it was uh, DeBrusque was with him. So, you know, maybe if they could find a decent left winger, maybe that third line could really get going. Because Coyle has gotten better since coming, going back into his normal position at third line center. And Eric play his play has also improved since moving between Hall and Pasta. And the fourth line has stepped it up. Anton Blee, Nos- Noshek, and Lazar have upped their game. But it, now you have to now you have to figure things out here, you know. Now where does Trent Frederick fit in? I mean, I would put him on the third as as a third line left winger with Coyle and Steen. I mean, he plays a physical style of game, kind of like what I mean. I he kind of plays a little bit like that, almost like a Milan Lucic type of deal. Um, but he's a plays a physical game. He isn't afraid to drop the gloves and challenge anyone to a fight. And I like that in a bottom six player. I like guys that are gonna drop the gloves and stick up for their team. I mean, basically, I think so far this season, he's been the only one that has done it. He's the only one that drops the gloves, really. Now here's the thing. Does Trent Frederick go to Providence? I'm not sure about I'm not sure about clearing waivers or anything. You know, so maybe maybe that's an option. But I here's I'd rather see I'd rather see him on the thir- on the third line third line left wing than having, you know, somebody like Felino on that on that wing or even a Debrusque right now. I mean, to be honest, I don't I don't see why Debrusque is even well, I could see why he's playing is you know, the reason why he's playing is because they can show him off, you know, to get a decent a decent trade going here. But still you know, does he go to does Trent Frederick go to Providence? Well, that's a good question. Maybe he's part of a deal with um to maybe he could be a part of a trade deal with DeBrusk or Sennishin. You know, and I don't know what's happening with those two guys. I mean, there's a there was a deal, is there a deal in the works somewhere? I keep hearing about Edmonton and Calgary. And I would have expected them to move to Brusque when they got back from their COVID shutdown, but then DeBrusque was put on COVID protocol, so you really couldn't do anything. So, you know, you got me. I have no idea what's happening with, with DeBrusque right now. He asked for a trade way before Christmas, and yet we're still sitting here wondering where he's going. You know, maybe, maybe there's a good chance that nobody wants Jake DeBrusque. Or the price is too low for Don Sweeney. I mean the you're you're not even i don't even think you'll get a prospect i don't think you'll get a player straight up for debrusque i'm looking at a draft pick now Zach senishin has also picked up his game with the baby bees since asking for a trade i mean yeah okay yeah he's a minor leaguer he's a first round pick top you know one of those 50 14 15 16 picks I don't know which one, which pick he was. It's it, it's all come, become confusing at this point. Um you know, he's picked up his game and I don't expect much return for, for an a, an AHL player. I know he was a first rounder, but I, I don't see I don't see much in return. Maybe a third or fourth round pick. I don't expect a prospect or anything coming our coming Boston's way. So a third or fourth pick. this I don't even, I don't even think we'd see a, first, a third or fourth round pick this year. Maybe a 2023 third or fourth round pick. So who knows? Who knows where that one's going? I mean, I'd still like to see the Bruins pick up a defenseman. I mean, Vakanainen has looked good in, in the games he's played. And I also like the physical styler, styler style of Tyler Lewington. I mean, Lewington played really well you know, when he was up here, you know, and, you know, you still got guys going, going in and out of pro, uh, COVID protocol. So, you know, who knows what's going on with that, you know, what's going on with that situation. I mean, I'm thinking that maybe maybe Sweeney's holding out on, Debr- you know, moving to Brusk or Seneshen and, you know, you know, he's holding out for defensemen at the deadline. I mean, I don't, I haven't really, really, there's been some names bounced around, you know, haven't really paid much attention until I really, I'm really not paying attention to what's going on unless the deal is done. And, you know, unless, maybe, maybe that's what his, his plan is, you know, Debrusk and Seneshin at the trade deadline. Because if he, if he had a decent deal on the table for Debrusk right now, it would have been done. Same goes for Senishin. And, you know, I can tell you right now that whatever happens, like on, on, um, at the deadline, on deadline day, or even close to the deadline, it's not going to be a blockbuster deal. I don't see, I don't see a blockbuster. And to be honest, if they hold on to Debrusque, you know, till the, till the trade deadline, there, you're not going to get much for him. I think right now is the time to move him right now that he's, that he's kind of, that he's been kind of, um, you know, he's been playing good, not great, but good. You know, and the same thing for Seneshin down in Providence. You know, so, you know, the Bruins, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how long that they can hold on to DeBrusque. You know, because right now it's like you move him at the deadline, you're not going to get much. You, the best time to move him is now. The same thing for Seneshin. Move them now while their game is still on. I mean, maybe maybe DeBrusque picks, maybe DeBrusque goes on a tear and scores, you know, you know scores four goals in the next five games. Who knows? But we really don't, we, we really can't say, you know, what's going, you know, if Sweeney's working on a deal, does he have a deal? They're just trying to work out what's coming back in return. Because that's the one, that, that's the one thing you're, the return is not going to be that great. I mean, I've seen, you know, third or fourth rounds for DeBrusk. You know, or, you know, you're not going to get a second. You're not going to get first. Maybe a prospect. I have no idea. But he they, they have to really start moving. They got to really start looking at this roster and start moving some bodies around so they can make some room for guys who, who are ready to be here, such as Steen and Vakanainen. Vakanainen, to me, looks like he should be here, too. Now, last night, the Bruins um, retired, really, Willie O'Ree's retired, retired, can't get this, Willie O'Ree had his number retired last night by the Boston Bruins, there we go, Um, and, you know, it's a shame he couldn't be there in person, you know, he was from his, he was at his home in, in um, San Diego, and he, he gave a really nice speech, which I really liked, it was a really nice speech, you know, they, they the video presentation about his career was was great and all it was a it was an awesome night with the exception of the bruins getting their butts kicked now the one thing that bothers me is that it didn't happen sooner now i know they planned they had planned to do it last season but you know because of covid and because the the, the arena was going to be empty they were going to actually they decided to do it when fans were in the building. It's unfortunate that he couldn't be there. Now, one thing though I've thought about and I was thinking about it ever since ever since they announced this like last year for last year and then into this year was why didn't this happen sooner? I know the plan was to I know the whole plan was to do it last season, but to me it should have been done 15 or 20 years ago. I'm not saying that it should have, his number should have gone up before Ray Bork or Cam Neely, but still, you know, you should have done it 15 or 20 years ago. Not when the guy is 86 years old. I mean, the Bruins were lucky enough to have him wait around an extra year. And the same thing goes for the Hall of Fame. I mean, he was inducted in 2018, and to me, he should have been, he should have been inducted in in the late 90s or early 2000s. I mean, he retired from hockey in 1979. All right? And I know he spent, you know, he spent a lot of his time playing in the minors, mostly in the Western Hockey League with the Los Angeles Blades and the San Diego Gulls. But he should have been recognized, you know, by the Hockey Hall of Fame sooner than 2018. And And the only reason why I'm saying that is because the guy put up tremendous numbers. You know, granted he played he played for the Bruins, you know, he had that breakout NHL in 1957 where he only played 2 NHL games, okay? Then he comes back to Boston in 6061 and he's played he played 43 games, had 4 goals, 10 assists and 14 points. All right, for those you know, two seasons. All right? Now, for the rest of that time, he played in the minor leagues. He's played You know, after his first stint with the Boston Bruins in 57, 58, he played for the Springfield Indians. Then he went back to the Quebec Aces. He went and played for the Kingston Frontenacs. You know, um, the Hull Ottawa Canadians came back to Boston and then played again for the Hull Ottawa Ottawa Canadians. Wow, say that fast. And then the rest of the time, from 60, I would say from 1962, 61-62 season, all the way up to the 71-72 season, all right, that's like 10 years, he played in the Western Hockey League, all right, with the Los Angeles Blades and the San Diego Gulls. And and while he was playing in that league, he was putting up tremendous numbers. The first season in 61-62, he put up 28 goals. 62-63-25. The most goals he ever scored in in the league was twice. 38 goals for the Los Angeles Blades in 64-65. And again in 68-69 with the San Diego Gulls. He also had a stint in 72-73 with the New Haven Nighthawks. Now I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this guy. I'm looking at this guy. He spent a lot of time in the Western Hockey League in between Los Angeles and San Diego. And during that, once you get to like seven, once you get to 1972-73, which was the year he played for the New Haven Nighthawks, I'm surprised he wasn't playing in the World Hockey Association at that point. But I, I guess he was happy. I guess he was happy playing for the San Diego Gulls. But the guy had a tremendous hockey career and yet he gets in to the Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018. There's something wrong with that. I mean, they waited what, 38 years to retire his to to bring him into the Hall of Fame. Plus he was he was like an ambassador for for the league starting in uh, um 1998. This guy should have his his he should have been he should have been inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame early two early two thousands. All right? And the Bruins should have done the same thing around the same time. You know? They should have done that. To be honest, what what the league did in 2018 and what the Bruins are doing now is way too late for me. This guy should have been recognized by the Hall of Fame, you know, when he was when Gary Bettman announced that he was like the diversity whatever or whatever it was that they he they named him to, you know, you know, whatever whatever he was doing. But the but the league the league decided, oh no, we're gonna wait an extra, you know, couple of years, an extra ten years so you can get into the Hall of Fame. But to me, this guy, I mean, looking at this guy's hockey career, it's amazing that, you know, he spent so much time in the minors between Los Angeles and San Diego. And never got, never got any contract. We don't even know if he ever got a contract offer from, you know, the World Hockey Association. You know, it would have been nice to see him play, come and play for maybe, I don't know, the New England Whalers or the Edmonton Oilers or, you know, the Quebec Nordiques or the Winnipeg Jets. You know, it would have been really cool. But the guy actually, guy actually produced, the guy produced goals. You know, I know it was at the minor league level, but still. You know, the guy guy had a had a really long hockey career. He had a nice long hockey career. And the Hall of Fame is like, yeah, well, we'll put you in in 2018 when you're when you're 83 years old. He should have went in a lot earlier. Same thing with the Bruins. They should have they should have recognized him way before, way before, you know, you know, I, w- I would even, you know, you can even have the argument that he should have gone in before Rick Middleton. So, you know, it's about time some of the, you know, it's about time somebody at the NHL level or even, you know, any team woke up and start, you know, saying, Hey, this guy is a really was a contribute contribution to this, to this league you know and we're going to screw him over for all these years. I mean, he was the first, you know, African Canadian or you know, player of color in the National Hockey League. He should have been recognized a lot earlier than 2018. He should have been. But instead the league decided to sit on it for a while and decided to um you know, Negle- I don't want to call it neglect, but you know, this decided. You know, we 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 don't care about him anymore, or not care about him, but you know, we're gonna put him off until until something. You know, until you know society thinks thinks it's okay or something. Maybe maybe that's the thing. But then then I start thinking about other guys in the Hall of Fame, and I'm like, okay, who's a lock in the Hall of Fame? Well, we all know that Patrice Bergeron's a lock in the Hall of Fame. Is Daniel is a lock in the Hall of Fame? We all know that Tuka Rask is gonna be in the Hall of Fame. What about Brad Marchand? Will he get into the Hall of Fame? I mean, the guy's a spectacular player, puts up the numbers, or because of his reputation, does he you know, does he get inducted to the Hall of Fame? Does that that that's a tough one right there. You know, I say yes, but there's a lot of people out there there's probably a lot of people out there that says no because of his reputation. So just going to leave you with that one on, uh, at the end of today's show to let you all think about that one for a little while to see if Brad Marshawn, you know, he puts up the numbers, he puts up really good numbers, but does, will his, you know, reputation for being a dirty player, um, you know prevent him from getting into the Hall of Fame this show is available on all your favorite streaming platforms iTunes, Spotify Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary and TuneIn and if you enjoy the show please subscribe or rate the show on iTunes and you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. are you interested in advertising on this show please contact Believe at Believe.com and don't forget to visit my Believe in Boston Bruins Facebook page thanks for listening have a great week and go Bruins